Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and we have our favorite guest back today. It's been forever since we talked, Matt. Like, I, I don't think we've we've talked on the podcast since the end of the season, right? Uh, no, it, it's been a while. Um, I had to lick my wounds after the season, so yeah, uh, it was it was pretty depressing. And uh, I think there's a lot to look forward to, but also a lot of concerns that also must be talked about. So, yep. Yep. And uh, you guys know him well. That's Matt McChesney played for the Buffs, played in the NFL, now trains all sorts of football players who play high school football in Colorado, college football, pro football. He knows his stuff. And uh, we're just going to dig in with all of that. Um, I mean, I want to get to the coaches eventually because I, I really like this staff. But before we get into that, I think just your initial thoughts to everything that's happened to the Buffaloes in the transfer portal so far. All right, so a couple of things. Number one, the transfer portal is the business of football. I mean, it, it is what it is these days. So that that's something that everybody, including myself, has to adapt to. Number two, I don't think that there's going to be this kind of crazy turnover when everybody doesn't have an exempt year from COVID. Yeah. So the exempt year is something people aren't talking about at all. But when that's gone, and everybody doesn't have that extra season and that's out of the works, people are still going to have to sit around after they transfer and it's going to lose its immediate its immediate luster. So the, the transfer portal is really set up for, you know, guys to graduate transfer that, that have earned the right to not have to sit out. So that that's two. And number three, I, you know, after talking with several people and alums and coaches and so on and so forth, we can go four and eight with anyone, Henry. And sometimes we've got a, the initial shock of somebody dumping us for a perceived someone better. Uh, that hurts. Uh, and then you've got to look at your roster and go, okay, they were good for us when they were here. And now we've got to find uh, some, some new bodies to, to fill those roles. But losing that many starters and developing, you know, that many guys and then losing the majority of them, that, that, it feels like last year was the most wasted season in the history of college football yeah. in the history of Colorado college football. Like, I don't understand. I don't think that you can name another season where, especially with all the turnover now that has been wasted at CU more than this one. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I like the point you made about the COVID exemption because it really does back things up. I mean, cause, cause right now there's basically an additional class of players 
that are trying to find roles in college football. There's like five classes instead of four. I guess the thread shirts, it changes a little bit, but that really does back things up and make people want to leave. But on top of that, it puts schools in a tough position scholarship wise because Colorado basically has however many however eight guys many. still stuck around because they, they're allowed to, but that's eight scholarships that, that they don't have to use in the transfer portal or to, to use in your traditional recruiting ways. But they still want to do those things, and so they're forced to try to push some of these guys out and make things tough and try to scare them away a little bit so that they can get such a high number of transfers and open up some spots. Now, obviously, you don't want to lose guys like Christian Gonzalez. And I totally agree. Like, that is just a, a wasted season, really. I mean, you got Brendan Lewis some good reps, but, like, the offensive line, it feels like the reps were pretty much wasted all season just because they were poorly coached and all those sorts of things. You lose the guys that you were excited about. And then what was supposed to be kind of a building year now just turns into – and where, where do you go now? Like you just have freshmen and sophomores. They're going to be playing big, big minutes here this season. And look, I can handle that coming up. I can handle youth. If it's being developed, I can handle youth. If it's being mm-hmm. coached correctly. And la- I remember talking to you about this last year in depth, but the USC game that I went to last year and I was on the sideline in the locker room, the entire game. Um, and Vickers was there with me and JJ Flan again, Westbrook. Chris Hudson, we were all in the locker room together beforehand talking, yo, yada, yada. And one thing that I noticed is Broussard and Stanley and Rice primarily completely detached from the team sitting in their lockers by themselves. Not, no hype, no, like everybody else is trying to get ready for the game. They're isolated. And it's not surprising to me that those three guys are in the transfer portal. So I just... I'm not calling people prima donnas or anything. I'm saying mm-hmm. that when Stanley gets on TV and he says, you know, the University of Colorado didn't do a good job of, of using all of this, all the players, I would say to that 20-year-old kid, bro, who are you exactly? Like, mm-hmm. those coaches, regardless of how much they struggled last year, those coaches have way more – you know, resume than you do. They have way more history than you do. You had one good year during COVID and you had 15 touches last year. And now you want to go somewhere that's going to give you 80 touches. Like who are you, Chato Ochocinco? Like I feel like that there's a huge, huge ego problem where guys are looking at themselves in the mirror and going, I'm so much better than this. I'm better than this place. I'm better than the guys they have here. And I'm going to go be better somewhere else. I mean, look, I know Katie Dick Nixon went to USC last year. You hear him at all? No. No, you didn't hear a word. So, you know, Neuer transferred to Oregon State, backed up the guy. So, uh-huh. look, Broussard going to Oregon potentially, that sucks. But their tailback just went to USC. So, Rice going to USC and and Makai going to USC, that sucks. But again, like, what are we really losing? Yep. But like, let's look at the numbers and look, let's look at the guys that are leaving. And it's not a knock on them. If they want to get all pissed off about it, go ahead. But they're the ones leaving. We didn't kick you out. Um, it, it, I just look at it like if we're all we're leaving, losing is an ego and an attitude and a guy who thinks he deserves 80 touches a fucking year. I mean, dude, there's 12 games, 80 touches a year. 
Like, you better be the baddest son of a bitch on the field. Mm -hmm. So I just, I feel like there's a lot of ego wrapped up in this, Henry. And uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing if it's pointed in the right direction. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. And I think that with Dimitri in particular, you know, those receivers, yeah, you guys didn't like Chev and you didn't think he was a good coach. But guess what? The Buffs got rid of him. Like, like there, there's a new guy running the offense. There's, there's a new position coach as well. And so it, it's one of those things where it's like, it, if you believe that you were wronged by the coaches, guess what? The people who were in charge of your snaps and touches and the routes you run and all that sort of stuff, they're all new here anyway. And so you, there's that piece, but on top of it, I mean, with, there definitely were some egos. And I almost wonder, you know, Dimitri Stanley had to realize that Chase Penry was kind of, breathing down his neck a little bit you know when when penry played i'm not saying he was like a superstar but he was a good football player and he is a good football player he is and he was a freshman and he took some big hits and drew some penalties and made a couple catches too and you know i think the initial reaction to losing dimitri stanley who i think you you could kind of make the argument that he's the best player remaining on the offense or was it's kind of tough like you got montana at receiver you've got quarterbacks I mean, I'm not sure who else really gets into that conversation. Brady, Brady. Like, yeah, he had 15 is. catches for 130 yards. That's like a bad day for some offenses. So exactly. Man, uh, come on. So, so what do you really lose? I mean, you, you've still got so many receivers there that, yeah, it sucks, but I don't know. It's Christian Gonzalez. I, I is is like, he going look, to the NFL next year? And you lost one year of Christian Gonzalez as like a 20 year old cornerback. It's well, not the look, end of the world. Look, Christian Gonzalez is an NFL player. He's getting drafted eventually if he stays healthy. Rice is an NFL player. He's getting drafted. Mm -hmm. His last name is fucking Rice. Yep. Everybody else, everybody else that transferred is probably an undrafted free agent. And let's just be real. Broussard's not getting drafted. He's a midget. Yep. You know, uh, Makai's not getting drafted unless he goes and wins the, the Thorpe at SC. Yep. So, and I'm not, I'm not knocking them. I went undrafted. They can still make it. I'm just simply saying that the ego, I will get rid of someone's ego and attitude as fast as I can if I know that I've got a room that will come together because of all the egos and attitudes that are now, they were not, they were pointing guns shoulder to shoulder out at everyone. And now the, it's not shoulder to shoulder. Now it's face to face. And the guys you thought were your teammates are now pointing the all the shit at the players like, oh, well, we couldn't play and we're not any good and we can't score points and I can't develop here. So that sounds like a whole lot of we and I, or not a lot of we and a whole lot of I, and I don't like that mm -hmm. shit in college football. So the the NIL stuff and getting guys paid, it none of it has to be public. So I'm very eager to see what hear what kind of money these these guys are actually making. But coming from the the mouths of of the coaches alone, mm -hmm. all right, they are saying to me they're getting paid. That's why they're leaving. Huh. Period. And they're they are. I mean, let's be real, bro. Somebody at these places, the the slush funded Oregon or the slush fund wherever at USC broke them off a check and they transferred to those places. So it all comes full circle back to how much support are you going to get in Boulder? And I, I know they have the NIL slush fund recruiting page or whatever and that's great um i'd be very eager to hear how that works and how good it's working 
but I, I think that until until everybody stops worrying about like uh, a 17, 18, 19 year old kid with his feelings hurt, that's just like, oh, I don't want to be here anymore. I mean, who leave? I was upset about it because it was like the ninth guy in a, a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, like, it, it wasn't surprising. My guys walked in here and two weeks before he left and told me he was going to leave. So, you know, it's just, if you don't want to be somewhere in college football, okay, what well, you can leave. In the NFL, if you don't want to be somewhere, they'll just cut you. So, I don't know, man. It's a fine, it's a very uh, fine line we're walking here. It is. And we're still obviously figuring all that stuff out. I know with the NIL, so, so the new marketplace thing they set up, um, the, the brand's called like Influencer or something like that. And they've set up these marketplaces for a bunch of different schools. I know that Colorado had the most businesses sign up on the first day of any of them. There's like 20 something of them, which is more than Texas A&M and Arizona and some other schools. But I mean, it just comes down to what do they get? And I've also heard that there could be some pretty big deals in, in the works here soon um, that, that could make some noise. And I feel like that's just kind of the big thing is you just need people to understand that there is money here. And, and, the fact that there wasn't all that much that first year, but there was other places. I think that that does play a part in losing a bunch of those guys they lost. And, and if they want to leave, leave, kick rocks. Totally. And kick it, rocks. It, it stings at first. You know, when, when you spend a lot of time thinking about the Colorado Buffaloes and what they're going to look like next season. Yeah, I, I agree. It hurt me too. Yep. You daydream about Brendan Rice making big plays and Christian Zales make plays. And then when you hear those guys aren't going to be there. Yeah it sucks it sucks but then within a few days you're like hey they lost some 19 year old i mean the receiver that the buffs brought in from baylor i mean uh rj sneed he he was a is a better player than rice and and so he is and at the same like he doesn't have all the tools like brendan rice is a little bit bigger he's a little bit faster um just like the athleticism is up there but but in terms of playing football right now rj sneed every single day so, so look, it. I, I agree with you. The Alabama guy they brought in is probably better than Ray, who they lost. Yep. So, look, what I look at in this entire situation, too, Henry, before we move on to other mm-hmm. stuff, but is what are these supposed leaders and got and really good players on the Buffs team? What are they really looking at, focusing on? Are they focusing on a a season where they won? They like were a game away from winning the South, and they won some big games and they were nationally ranked and they had a conference player of the year at running back and a second team, all conference quarterback. And they looked pretty proficient and like, you know, in the middle of all this controversy and COVID and then they nosedive last year and they have a bad season, a terrible season. So both of those teams are in the same locker room. So this just tells me that the leadership in the locker room or the quote unquote, veteran leadership the guys who are supposed to be leaders because they play a lot they're not leaders they're they're only going to lead when things are good so that tells me that you've got a bunch of guys on the field that when it's time to make a play they look around the huddle like are you going to make it are you going to make it are you going to make it i i I hate to be the guy like well back in my day but when i played there and even to the day what i tell the guys now that i work with is i don't want anybody in the fucking room that doesn't think they're going to make the play Yep. 
I want you competing to make a play, not just competing to do a rep or to win practice. Every single breath is a competition. I'm trying to get to that oxygen before you are. So I, I think that they're focused on, on just the wrong stuff. And that's because of childhood ego. They're not, they're not, look, they're grown men, but they're not NFL men yet. They're, they're college football, like they're college football men. And now they're getting a little bit of money and they're like, oh man, I'm rich. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're a college football kid. You don't make shit. This isn't real money compared to the money you could make down the road in the NFL and, you know, money you could make if you, you know, how much more would you make in in the NIL world if you're part of a turnaround in Boulder and they win 10 games in two years? And, and if you're Brendan Rice, I mean, if you're looking for your path to the NFL, do you want to go to USC where you're competing with a bunch of four and five star receivers? Or do you want to stick in Boulder where you're their clear number one target? You're going to get all of the passes that they can, they, they can get to you. And if you put up 750 a couple years in a row, then you're going to be going to the NFL because you have the tools that you have and because your, your name is Rice. If you go to USC, you, you got to fight through all the competition. You got to get your, get your touches, earn them. And I just, I don't understand why that seems like a, a better route to him. Well, it, it's a better route because someone threw money at him, period. That's the only reason he went there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who paid him and I don't care. This is coming from people that I trust, that know more than people that are guessing. So he's gone because he got paid. Gonzalez is gone because he got paid. Broussard is gone because he got paid. Just like the the Oregon running back die, he went to SC because someone paid him to go there. So let's just be fucking real about all this. Mm-hmm. I think that Colorado has got a huge opportunity here to start breaking kids off financially and building that program back to where it should be uh, because they do have money. And I think people do genuinely care. So, you know, it, it's in whatever way you need to support the program, whether it's whatever extreme you want, it, supporting it through DNVR buffs or supporting it through six zero football Academy or supporting it through uh, the NIL, uh, what marketplace, consolidation shit whatever they're calling it to pay the players you know whatever it is doing football camps and paying the the coaches to come out that are all cu players anything you can do to help as an alum or as a fan they'll take right now and they need it one one dollar from everybody in colorado is a whole lot of millions so so it it i think that there's i i'm done looking at this as a negative especially after talking to the, the coaches I talked to uh, after I was kind of upset about all this shit too, um, to hear how upset they were, but not so much that the guys are leaving. It's if you don't want to be here, kick rocks, we'll find a way to beat your ass. And then I, I heard it from three or four different coaches. I can go four and eight with anyone. And it, it resonated with me. Like, who are we really trying to save? I mean, and, and, and that question's a lot easier now. I mean, at, at this point, there's really nobody that you're trying to save. Back then, like, you could make a case for some of these guys, but I agree. I mean, you wanted turnover from what happened last year. You, you don't need to hold on to every player who was a part of a 4-8 and eight season. You've got to be able to, to, to get that, like they said, of anybody. 
before we move on to Matt's initial impressions of this coaching staff, uh, I want to shout not shout out. I want to shout out a couple of the businesses that make what we do here possible. So, uh, first off, Sexy Pizza. Uh, if you guys have been to our Broncos tailgate, you've probably tried Sexy Pizza. It is seriously the best. Um, there's there's four locations around Denver. There's one in Trinidad. Wherever you are, you can probably find Sexy Pizza. It's a local business. It's been a part of the community for almost 15 years. So we like supporting them. Um, and because they support us, but also because they make really, really good pizza. Now, one of the coolest things they do is making philanthropies. And the way that works is when a, so like a, a nonprofit can come, make their own pizza. Like it might be like peppers on there with sausage or who knows. And they, they design their pizza. And then if anybody orders that pizza, then that, uh, that, that nonprofit gets a cut of the money that sexy pizza makes. It's a cool thing. If you want to get your, uh, nonprofit in there, you can totally do that. Um, and if not, it's a good option to, uh, get yourself some pizza, especially for the Super Bowl. Because starting Saturday, February 12th, and going through Sunday, February 13th, people who listen to this podcast can get two 16-inch pizzas for $29.99. All you got to do, order online and use the promo code SEXYSUPERBOWL. Again, you go to www.sexy.pizza, use the promo code SEXYSUPERBOWL, and this offer is only available for Super Bowl weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Make sure you use that because that's a great deal for some great pizza. Also, want to give a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings. Uh, DraftKings is awesome. Uh, they make me a bunch of money. They make Matt a bunch of money. And so uh, we want to tell you how you can make a bunch of money. Uh, this weekend, you can bet on either game, just pick somebody to win either game, bet $5, and you'll get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Um, that's for new customers. If you're not a new customer, you can get in on the same game parlays. It's awesome stuff. So make sure that you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use the promo code DMVR, and get 56 to 1 odds in, honorable, in honor of Super Bowl six, or 56 on either team. All you got to do, bet $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, let's get back into the coaches. I'm curious, since you have spent more time with these coaches, I still haven't met the new ones what is what is just your overall impression of this new coaching staff? Uh, I, I like some of the moves that they made. I mean, I, I it's very much based in the we'll see bucket for me, just like the Broncos' new head coach Hackett. We'll see. Uh, I think anybody that sits down and talks about what they're going to do without a basis of what they've done uh, is just blowing smoke up people's asses. It's a bunch of armchair quarterbacks. That said, uh, the Vic Soto. Uh, hire the D-line coach. I like that. He's, he recruits well. It seems like his guys play hard for him. Although SC, when he was there, is dog shit. And their defensive line got ran through. And, like, it's not the SC that I remember. So I, I think that there's a lot of turnover there as well. And, look, there's going to be more if they don't figure this out. Except it's not going to be like a staff that you like how it's 
formed and put together, everyone's going to be gone and they're going to be starting over. So yeah. I think the new offensive coordinator, uh, Sanford, is is got a ton of experience and we'll see how he uses that experience to get this offense rolling in the right direction. But, you know, it, it's, it, it's all going to come down to the plan that's put in, in, in place every week. And then the players have got to accept that and buy into it and invest in it. And then everybody's working together. Last year, the coaches and the players were not working in sync. And there was so much drama and tension between the two sides because of exactly what we said about Stanley. They're not putting me in position to be successful. And the coaches are sitting there like, we need to help each other be successful. And that's both in the in the, the coaching staff and in the locker room. So Coach Durrell has done everything that he can. You're firing coaches, bringing in new guys. It's not easy for him to fire Chev. Chev played for him. There's a relationship there. So I understand people that are fans are like, well, I don't give a fuck about the relationship until they're in a relationship. And then they have to understand what, you know, how it really works. So I think we'll see is the best answer for the coaching staff uh, question, but I do like some of the moves they made. It seems like everyone is excited about being here and coach Wilson likes the role he's in now is just the defensive coordinator. And, I, I think the new offensive coordinator will probably run the ball a lot more than they did last year, which I think we should run the ball like Air Force. And like, look, man, Air Force is the best program in the state, and it's not even fucking close. Yeah. And the way that they do things, they don't just go out and try and bag all these big-time recruits. They find guys that fit their program and develop the shit out of them. Yep. And I, look, anybody who wants to sit here and tell me that Air Force wouldn't go into the Pac-12 and win 10 games, I'm going to sit there and laugh at you hysterically. Go look at the last, like, three years and all the Pac-12 teams they've played. They've beaten CU. They've beaten Washington State. They just beat Louisville this year in the big in their bowl game. Like, every every time they play a, a major conference school, they beat their ass. And, and CU has the advantage that if they do go that route and run the ball a lot and, and win games like Air Force does – well, then the recruits will just follow because you're, you're CU and you're playing in, in a power conference. And so the, the yeah. idea that you're going to recruit your way out of this hole that the buffs are in sounds crazy to me. Like you gotta, you gotta it's find a way to win games and then the well, recruits will come. You're not going to recruit at a championship level. And that's the answer to everything. Well, think about it like this too, is Carl Durrell doesn't have time to recruit at a championship level. If they have a three and nine season next year, or they're four and eight again, they're, yep. they're going to fire him. So he needs to look at his unit and go, okay, what do we have now? And who do we have to really ride with? And what system best, best fits us to move forward and, and really go play football and build? And there's nobody that can convince me that he can't do that. It just mm -hmm. hasn't been done yet. So. Exactly. It, everyone needs to keep in mind that he's been mired in COVID for two years. And some people are like, Oh, well, that doesn't make any difference. Other people are successful. I'm like, yeah, that's true. And other people aren't. And we're in the arts conversation right now. So, you know, CU and CSU weren't successful over COVID air force was extremely successful over COVID. So again, it's all about the future and being able to not let like one thing I want to say to all the buff fans out there is we love you and we want your support and those guys out there need it desperately, but you got to stop attacking high school and college kids on Twitter when you're mm -hmm. an adult, 
Like, totally. dude, some of these adults on Twitter that like get more pissed off about the kids who are playing there. And I know we've said this in the past too. There's no way that any fan wants to win more than the kid that's playing. Yep. So like, if you don't think they want to win, you're crazy. So just being super negative and being a dick just to be a dick that it, that shit don't fly anymore. And it, it just makes people look like absolute idiots on Twitter and Instagram in the first place. So support them, but you don't need to do it with, well, how dare you leave the university of Colorado? This place will be fine without you. Yada, 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 yada. And I'm like, good God, this sounds so petty. I know. Well, and then you also think like there's so many recruits out there who are trying to figure out where to go and they're, they see all this on Twitter too. And they talk about it openly in the gym all the time. Oh, I like, bet. man, the CU, the CU fans are dicks. They yell at people for yeah. just going on, not going on recruiting trips and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, bro, I don't really know what to tell you. It's pretty crazy. It, it is. And it's, it just actively makes things worse for, for the program. It, yeah, it doesn't make much sense. Um, I'll say that I here's here's one more thing that, that's been on my mind. So they brought in Shannon Turley uh, a year ago, two years ago, whatever it was. And, right. you know, one of the things that people say about strength coaches is that it usually takes a season or two inside the program to see the results. Like you've got to be in that program that long for, for, for you actually get bigger and stronger if the coach is as good at doing that as people say he is. Is, is that true? Um. Yes and no. I mean, you've got to change some things right when you walk in or every strength coach would just have a template. So every strength coach and their, and their uh, way of doing things is different. And that, you know, you're, you're hiring a personality on top of a coach. That's one thing about your strength coaches. That guy will probably be the one that is the closest to like trying to get your team to play with that chip than any other coach because he's around them the most. So I think Turley and his system will work, but again, it's, it's on the Jimmy's and the Joe's man. Like guys, I I really doubt everybody up there is doing everything they need to do on a daily basis to be successful because they're college kids. So again, putting it on the coach, all he can do is implement the program and get guys motivated and it seems like they've had really good attendance and everyone's there busting their ass and guys are bought in and it's the one thing that all this negativity is doing is gelling the football team together and everybody's closing ranks and with the strength coach and his philosophy whether it's speed and agility and flexibility or you know power and grit and going to get this shit whichever way you want to roll with that you just need your team to buy in. And I feel like they're getting rid of a lot of the guys that they have to pay to buy in. And they're actually rolling with the guys who just want to buy in because they want to be there. So, you know, it, it's really, it, it's really a very interesting uh, situation up there on, on Turley and his philosophy and the guys seem to love him and they, they, you know, they train hard for him and he's uh, very positive with his group, but he's also not afraid to get on your ass. So, you know, it's, I, I think that he's got that place in the right direction, no doubt. Good to know. Um, one more, one more, because I know you got to get out of here. So, so my thought is this coaching staff, you definitely have to wait and see what they actually do before you grade them. It does look like, at least on paper, that this is a pretty significant upgrade to me. You know, Darren Cheverini struggled. 
and the new guy has to be able to put up better numbers than we saw last year, you know, losing Mitch Rodriguez and replacing him with Kyle Devan. Like, am I crazy for thinking that at least just looking on paper, this, this staff should be much better. Yeah. Even like comparing Mitch to Kyle, it like hurts my feelings a little bit. Um, Kyle, Kyle Devan is the dude. Like he's, I look, I didn't get an interview up there and I was pretty upset about it for about two days until I figured out who they were hiring. And I was like, holy shit. All right, let's go. And look, coach Porkchop, that's my guy. Um, he is Porkchop. I like it. I I gave him that nickname 20 years ago and he's still riding with it. Um, like it's pretty funny, you know, he was at Michigan and Reese Atterbury's up there and, uh, Connor Jones just left and he's up there and, Connor was on a recruiting trip and at like very beginning of his recruitment for, or or very beginning of his senior season, he was up there and uh, Reese is in there lifting and Connor walks in and, and coach Devan comes in and, and, uh, and Reese is like, Hey, coach Porkchop. And he looks over and Jones is standing there. He goes, Oh, you guys must be McChesney's guys calling me Porkchop. (laughs) So I, I think that Devan is a huge upgrade. He really gets along with with the dudes in the room the right way. He's not in there telling them they suck while he can't coach them to do anything. Um, if he's telling you you suck, he's going to teach you how to do it correctly. And just based on the conversations that I've had with everybody that I work with down here, from Casey to Austin Johnson to Jake Wiley and everybody else, uh, they're super excited about getting to work for him. But if you just look at all the changes they've made from – Soto to Devan to, you know, the, the new receiver coach and the new DB coach London. I feel like that coach row went out and got guys that he trusts and he knows. Whereas last year he was kind of forced to just deal with the staff that he had. So, um, I think that this year, like is Carl Durrell's really like first full legitimate season of being a head coach. So I'm very eager to see what it, what it looks like. Yeah, you know, it's it's easy to say, like, you've lost all these players, it's going to be tough, or coaches are better, whatever, but it all just comes down to what they can do, how much they can coach up the guys that they have, and I don't know. By the time the season rolls around, I think fans are going to be a lot more excited than they are now. Yeah, they'll be able to go watch football games, Doug. Yep. I can't wait. I mean, it, it's only January, and I'm like, when's college football season start? Yep. They haven't lost any games yet. Sure, it looks kind of ugly at points, but it's not like they lost any games. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for today. Everybody, make sure you're checking out McChesney Unchained, the podcast. Make sure you're following McChesney Unchained on Twitter, 6 zeros, uh, strength on Twitter. Um, that's, where, that's where Matt McChesney is out there coaching up all these guys. Um, from high school to college to the pros. That's why he's on here. And uh, appreciate you, Matt, for coming on. We'll do it again soon. Yeah, brother. Go Buffs. See ya.